Welcome to another Twin Tangibles podcast. It's been a while. My name's Tim Wright. Thanks for joining us. Some of you may know that I've been spending some time writing a new book, and it's out now. It's called Crowd Asset, Crowdfunding for Policymakers. It's a collection of both frameworks and thought pieces on how policymakers can make best use of crowdfunding and the crowd economy to advance their policy agendas. But within the book are lots of case studies and examples of organizations and policymakers that have already started to seize the opportunity that the crowd economy provides. One of those case studies was Angus Council in Scotland. Angus have been using crowdfunding for some time now, led by their very able Shelley Haig, who is Strategic Policy and Planning Manager there. I had a chance to catch up with Shelley to talk to her about the work that Angus have done, what their experience has been, and how their efforts will contribute to a post-COVID recovery. And this is what she had to say. Good morning, Shelley Haig, over there in Angus. Great to speak to you this morning. What's it like over on the east coast of Scotland at the moment? Yeah, it's always sunny in Angus and today is no different. Um, it's a beautiful day today. Um, despite the COVID-19 pandemic, there's uh, there's still lots of activity today. It's good. Brilliant stuff. Very much appreciate you joining me this morning to talk about the contribution that you made to the book uh, Crowd Asset. Uh, you and I have known each other for quite some time and you were an obvious candidate to invite to produce some material because of the work that you've done in Angus. Tell me about your, your role and what, what you do at Angus Council. And then if you can give me a sense or give the listeners a sense of what drove Angus to get involved with crowdfunding as early as it did? What were the sort of problems that you were trying to solve? And, and why was it that you saw crowdfunding as an opportunity in that space? Of course, yeah. Back then, all them years ago, I think we were 2015 when we got kicked off with this stuff. Um, I was the funding and projects manager at Angus Council um, and a big part of that role was supporting local groups, businesses, um, individuals, find the funding that they needed to deliver on their projects or achieve an aspiration, you know, really just looking to support people um, from that bottom-up approach, making mm. sure that they, they had the, the resources they needed to deliver for their local communities. So we were doing a lot of that working with traditional funders, so Lottery, Robertson Trust, you know, the usual suspects. Mm -hmm. And um, in Angus, what we started to notice was that a lot of the funders back then had started to really um, tighten their criteria and look at specific target groups. So there were big campaigns around supporting carers or people that were experiencing social isolation, which are all really, really worthwhile causes. But sometimes it can exclude a lot of projects. One of the first pieces of advice that we give to local groups and businesses is don't chase the funding. You know, don't change your aim to fit a fund because it Mm. might take you in a different direction. So we were looking for a new and innovative way to get that money out into our communities, into our businesses that didn't have as many strings attached to it and that could flex as our communities needed to flex to, to deliver the demand. So, yeah, we'd started to look at new funding methods and um, participatory budgeting was on the horizon but not really there yet and this theme just kept coming up of crowdfunding people were starting to to talk about crowdfunding especially in the educational sector yeah um, colleges and universities you know had really really embraced it so 
that's when we started to really get into it and try and find out if crowdfunding was something that could work for us and for our communities. And and these were both, you know, commercial opportunities and socially driven projects. There, there was a range of things that, that fell within the sort of remit that you were you were trying to address here. Absolutely. Our section was within economic development in the council. So supporting businesses was a, a big part of that, as well as delivering on our community empowerment responsibility to, to build capacity in communities. So we never looked at only helping a specific group it was always a very open approach here's how here's a new way of getting funding in and regardless of um if it was a business or community group the principles were the same which is what i loved about it Mm, because it was something it, it didn't matter it was about building a reputation getting a group of people that supported you being better at marketing yourself to to whoever wants to to put the funding in. It didn't matter if it was in the community or for a business. All really, really good skills for anybody that was running any kind of project. So, so yeah, it was really open that way, and that's what we loved about it. Uh, But sometimes that openness and that sense of, of empowerment that the participants have with this can be quite challenging for public bodies because they can be can be difficult for them to feel that they are not uh, in full control of some of these aspects of it what what are the sort of challenges that that you faced personally in your in your role in trying to drive this forward but more as a as an organization as a, as a council what were the challenges and concerns that you you had about how you could actually um, operationalize crowdfunding for your your community perhaps one of the biggest challenges for us at the start was people didn't really know what crowdfunding was mm. um, in the bigger cities it was a little bit more well it was it was more well known in bigger cities but in Angus, when we started talking about it, people just kind of looked at you and they were like, oh, is that is that like that crowdsourcing where you get lots of volunteers in to help you? So even before we started to get the challenges of putting in place Crowdfund Angus, there was a massive barrier there around communicating to people what crowdfunding was and how it could benefit them. And that was why it was really, really important at the beginning to pull together that steering group, which had representatives from the business sector, um, private, third sector, local community reps to act as our ambassadors to start getting the message out there that crowdfunding's a vehicle to help you get the funding you need to deliver on your projects. And it's also a way to build your influence in your communities through building a crowd. So that was a key barrier um, just in general. For us as an organisation, because it was so unknown, there was a lot of risks flagged up. You know, is this something mm-hmm. that people are going to be able to exploit? What's the monitoring behind it? How do we know the money's getting to the people who need it or who said that they were running the project? And that was where partnering with Crowdfunder had really helped us because they had already been through a lot of those risks and barriers. So we're able to reassure our leaders that you know this is totally legitimate and it's actually something that's going to benefit us as a local authority and our communities because as we move control into our communities they can raise their own funding and won't be as reliant on us yeah and crowdfunder of course is uh, the uk crowdfunding platform they have obviously since that that time done a lot of work in this space you you must have been one of the early 
partners with them in this space, I would have thought. Yeah, I believe we were the first Scottish local authority to work with Crowdfunder. Mm-hmm. They were they were doing some work with some universities down south, but they'd never worked with a local authority before. And at times, you know, I could I could feel the frustration of, well, why can we not just do that? And it's like, well, this is this is this is the process that we have to go through. You know, things have to go to committee, and you know, we're accountable to our elected members and mm-hmm. to our communities. So we need to make sure that all the you know, the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed because we're accountable to the public pounds. So there was there was a few teething problems that way. But in terms of pace, we were able to get Crowdfund Angus up and running really quickly because once we'd communicated the benefits of this, people just got on board really quickly and they were really keen to see it work. We had lots of really good supporters and the four pilot projects that we ran at the start really showed the, the wealth and breadth that you can get out of crowdfunding. So that yeah. was that was really good. You know, we had some real large scale projects and some smaller community projects. So that, that really helped. So I, I'm imagining that you had to do not only the awareness raising external to the council, but was there an element at, at the early stage where you had to build awareness and confidence with your, your colleagues within and the elected members within the council as well? Absolutely. And for the very first session, I believe that's when you came down, um, Tim, and started the, the crowdfunding revolution in Angus for us. Right. But um, that was when we got you know key partners and key people within the, the council into a room to say, here's what we're going to do. This this would be a really good thing for us to all get on board with. And I thought well, there was a, a switch moment within that session where people went from going, I'm not really sure what this is, <laughs> to totally getting it and it was like yeah. a light bulb moment you know the lights went on and people were like this could really work for us because yep. as a smaller local authority empowering our communities is the way to go and i suppose for those people that are not familiar with scotland or angus in particular uh, we should probably describe angus uh, tell us where it is and uh, what what's the kind of typical demographics and typical industries and, and what goes on in angus Angus is, I like to, to call it the heart of Scotland. It's situated on the northeast coast between Dundee and Aberdeen. We have a population of around 116,000 and it's pretty equally split. Angus historically has an ageing population as a lot of places in Scotland now, but that actually gives us a wealth of volunteers because a lot of people who've come to Angus to retire yep. um, and are really keen to get involved in their local community. So that was a massive bonus for us. Um, in terms of our key industries, Angus has a strong tourism sector. We, we still have a lot of manufacturing on the outskirts of Angus because of our proximity to Aberdeen. And yeah, we've, we've got a high proportion of skilled managerial type professions. The biggest employer in Angus, um, though, is Angus Council and the NHS. So it follows that typical profile of a lot of places in Scotland now. So in terms of, of the, the project that you started, what was it that, that you're actually doing? Give us the, the sense of the, of the practicalities of what that intervention looked like and how it worked. So when people came to us for funding, historically we would have done a, a funding search for them, which included lots of links and helpful tips in how to get funding from your traditional funders. The difference was we'd created Crowdfund Angus, which was, it, it was sat alongside the overall Crowdfunder site, but had mm-hmm. Angus elements to it so people could relate to some of the projects and some of the thinking on there. 
and they would come to us, talk a little bit about their project, and we would walk them through the stages of how to set up a crowdfunding campaign. At the time, I had um, three staff. They were all trained up in how to develop a crowdfunding campaign. And we, like I said, we, we had some toolkits that we, we pulled together with Crowdfunder. And it was just supporting people through that, highlighting some of the, the key points, managing expectations, making sure that you had a, lot, a, a decent lead-in time so that when your project went live, you know, people knew about it, there was a buzz about it, that there was all the elements in place to make it a success. And we did a lot of interesting partnerships at that point with the college. So the college would help people do their videos if they didn't have that type of skill. Yeah. And we would bring in people that would be able to help with marketing. Um, Just so that in those initial stages, we had some really, really good projects on there that would then act as our ambassadors moving forward. And that was one of the, the amazing things about Crowdfundangus. Very quickly, we created a peer support network. So people who'd had successful crowdfunding campaigns supporting others in their community because they'd been through the stages. They knew the pitfalls. They knew the, the things that would really work for this area. So there was a lot of work initially getting it all set up. But actually, towards the end, a lot of the projects we're more than happy to support others that were thinking about doing this. So yeah, it was brilliant that way. Excellent. And and so in terms of the the practical outcomes, there are, there are a number of projects that carried through very successfully on the project. Do you want do you want to talk about a couple of those? Yeah, definitely. So in the early stages, one of the the four that we talk about in the book is um, was led by DDA, and that was to get a, a statue of Bon Scott. Ah, yes. Um, put up in, in Kerry Muir and uh, they had they'd looked at all different types of funding previously. They'd even ran a, a crowdfunding campaign through a different platform but hadn't really got the traction they were looking for. But what we were so excited about was having a permanent memorial for for somebody from ACDC, which, you know, is great and it brings so many people to the area. And you, we see all the time, even now, I mean, that's been up for a good few years now. And even now, you still see people going down there and taking selfies with it. And Been there myself. You know, <laughs> yeah, well, well, absolutely. And, you know, it's just one of those things that even now, during these COVID times, people can still go and visit it because it's yeah. out in the open. There's plenty of space around it. And they have an annual festival around it. And you know, they tweaked it this year and done an online festival, but the economic impact of that project far outweighed the money that they got from the, the crowdfunding campaign. Yeah. And that, that for me was probably the, the project that I thought, wow, this is really going to work because within two weeks they'd raised just over 40 grand. Yeah. And that, that's incredible to have that amount of money in that amount of time um, turning over for a project. So the coverage as well internationally, that was really um, an eye-opener for us. So in terms of one of our projects that we like to showcase, that was one. On a smaller scale, due to budget cuts, the local authority wasn't able to provide funding for fireworks displays anymore. And that was that was a real shame for us as a local authority. But, you know, we have to prioritise where the, the funding goes. And the fact we were able to support a group to run a local fireworks display meant the world to the community and actually because they'd inputted into it through the crowdfunding it meant so much more to them and they really got on board with it you could see that on the comments after 
And subsequently, um, after each fireworks display, they would just run another crowdfunding campaign that people would chip into. And that just funded year on year the fireworks display. So that was a real good example of how somebody could use that to deliver a service that we had historically delivered, but we're now not able to do. Yep. In terms of a business an example, we had somebody that wanted to diversify their business into a different direction. It was a keep fit project. And I think that's where we could get a lot of traction now with COVID in that diversifying your services. Yeah. And that was that was an absolutely incredible campaign. And again, the money came in for that within a couple of weeks. They're all terrific examples, aren't they? Because they, they demonstrate how the initiative that you you brought into play to promote and accelerate the acceptance of, of crowdfunding and the utilization of crowdfunding in Angus have really moved forward the the strategic agendas that, that you have as a council. So you have embedded and extended the economic impact that comes from existing activity through Bombfest and these these other types of, of, of tourist ventures. You've helped an organization pivot into uh, you know, a different space. And you've also managed to extend um, or at least mitigate the impact of any budgetary constraints that are placed upon you um, and still manage to retain those services within the area that, that, that people value. So it's across the board, it, it's really moved forward the agenda that you have as a council and the responsibilities that you have in that space. Absolutely. It's, it's almost early community wealth building, if, yeah. if you want to look at it like that. You know, that's the, the hot term just now. And absolutely, I mean, our vision in Angus is to make the area a great place to live, work and visit. And we have that front and centre on our crowdfunding page because we want people to understand what we're trying to deliver with this. Our priorities underneath that are around reducing poverty and we've seen a lot more crowdfunding campaigns come in for that over the past nine months, especially through COVID. We had an absolutely incredible response through our Voluntary Action Angus crowdfunding campaign to support people with food provision. Okay. Within a couple of weeks, that raised over £27,000 because people are just really keen to give and support their communities through lockdown. So it has been a really, really useful tool for us that way. Previously, and especially now, when funding is in demand more than ever, what we are hearing from our communities is now more than ever there's a need to... Um, increase the funding going into those essential services, whether it be about reducing poverty, improving mental health, or improving access to services. So lots of lots of upsides, lots of uh, of positives and demonstrable value coming out of this. Were there any downsides, things that didn't go as well, or or proved to be more problematic for you? The biggest challenge that we had supporting groups was if they didn't follow the, the steps or they didn't give themselves enough time, mm. um, you know, they would, they'd seen projects get 40-odd grand within a couple of weeks, and that was brilliant, but there was a lot of work went into that, and that was, per, that was perhaps one of the biggest challenges, helping people understand the work that needs to go in. Um, I remember one example, somebody came to us and they said, you know, I, I want a million pounds to open a new shop, and it was just trying to manage the expectations of that and because there would be there's a lot of work that would need to go into a million pound crowdfunding campaign the likes of Brewdog have done that absolutely incredibly mm. um, but have a, a lot of support in behind that so 
managing expectations was a big one for us and supporting groups to get the traction they needed within their communities as well so helping them to do that elevator pitch if you like and helping them understand that you didn't need a professional video in fact my favorite videos are when people just kind of hold their phone up and talk passionately about what they want to do they're my favorite types of videos yeah the authenticity comes through doesn't it it really does absolutely absolutely and you know it doesn't need to be totally polished I, that's how I prefer to, to go on and crowdfund is to just watch a, a 30 second video. And it was just making sure that we had all the mediums for all the ways that people like to, to invest their money. So yeah, that was, um, that was probably the biggest one for us was, was supporting groups and helping them manage expectations of, of what they could achieve in the time that they set themselves. So if, if you were addressing a room full of, of other people in similar roles to you, you know, economic development and, and uh, within a, a public body like a council or as a policy making body, what, what sort of advice would you give them if they were considering going down this path? What, what, what are the key lessons learned for you? The biggest one for us is that anything's possible if you put the time and effort into it. We spent a lot of time communicating with partners, with local communities and our businesses to highlight the benefits of crowdfunding and the pitfalls that they could fall down. And that that for me is the, the biggest piece of advice. You know, take a little bit of time, test things in your community, see if there's an appetite for it. It might be that some communities are a lot more familiar with participatory budgeting now, which isn't a million miles away from crowdfunding, but they might prefer that more face-to-face approach. Crowdfunding has given us a really interesting space through COVID because it was always digital. And that was, that was perhaps one of the criticisms that we got, you know, it's all online, but actually that's worked really well for us now and will into the future, I would imagine. So yeah, whenever we're talking to other local authorities or other partners about this, it's about being really clear on what you're trying to achieve. If it's just about budget savings, it's probably not going to work because that kind of turns your community off. If it's about giving the skills to the community so they can take their future into their own hands, that's far more passionate and far more palatable for them, you know, because when we were talking about putting funding into communities, it's because they're a lot better at delivering services sometimes because they're not bound by the same things that we are or they can do things a bit more creatively. So that was the two way that we had with our communities and businesses. So yeah, that was those are the key things. Just don't give up. Just keep plowing away at it and it'll, uh, you'll get there. Brilliant insight, Shelley. Thank you. That's, that's terrific. So uh, how, how is it sitting at the moment? What's next for, for Angus in this space? Is, is it something that you're going to persist with? Uh, are you going to change it? Are you going to move it at all? Or are you allowing it to just have a life of its own now? Well, one of the things we were doing over the past six months is starting to move towards Crowdfund Scotland. So that's a, a leader-funded project, um, which is EU funding. And 16 leader projects pulled together a bid to create crowdfund scotland i remember presenting to them up in the borders about my end vision was always crowdfund scotland so it was so good to see them pull that together um, and crowd, what crowdfund scotland's done is given us that banner in which to now sit crowdfund angus within so the crowdfund angus page will remain and that's been really useful for us throughout covid but we'll become part of that wider Crowdfund Scotland, which has 
a wide range of people there to support anybody thinking about crowdfunding. So our staff will just support people within this area that want to crowdfund still. And we'll, we'll be able to deliver more cross-boundary projects, I suppose, is the aspiration as we move towards things like our T-City deal. We're really trying to work more regionally or in partnership with other local authorities and, and connect people together because what we've tended to find is what's a problem for us in Angus is a problem for people in other rural areas yeah. and, and, in, and in some cities as well. So having that greater banner above us I'm hoping I'll really um, create a lot more partnership opportunities across the whole of the area. And we can share good practice as well, which is a big, big thing for us. We're really Absolutely. keen on sharing what's worked. So, yeah, it's great. So you think you think your success in the, in the space has, has helped build confidence in others to actually join that, that program, that project? Oh, I like to think so. I really like to think so. And we've got so many good examples now of where businesses have been able to keep staff on because they've crowdfunded and diversified. We've got some real uh, good examples of where communities have identified an issue and been able to solve it through bringing some funding in. We had a fantastic project that was supporting people with autism and it was a, it was a group of school kids that were like, we're going to crowdfund for this and we're going to get the VR headsets and everything that can show people what it's like to be autistic. And stuff like that is absolutely incredible and perhaps things we might not have been able to do as quickly due to funding. So, you know, anything's possible with crowdfunding. That's what's always excited me. Yeah, and you mentioned there already that, you know, there, there are some interesting possibilities with this in a kind of post-COVID world. Where we, we know all of the economic, quite apart from the health challenges, we know, know all of the economic challenges that are going to emerge from this period. You, you pointed at one example earlier on, but do you think crowdfunding will play a role in, in rebuilding post-COVID? Absolutely. In terms of supporting businesses to diversify, where they've been testing things throughout COVID and then can show that through a crowdfunding campaign would definitely get my vote. I've done a, I've invested in a lot more crowdfunding campaigns throughout COVID than I ever have. And I usually, you know, most of my wages go towards that these days. <laughs> but, you know, when you see projects like We Were a Pub, but actually now we are doing food distribution to those most in need, but we need a little bit of investment to get our food health standards and or a volunteer network in place you know these are the types of things that can be really quickly funded yeah um, and make a massive impact to people's lives especially now where poverty is increasing and a lot of people are finding themselves out of work so that entrepreneurial spirit which has always been alive and well in angus we have really high levels of self-employment here people being able to just do a crowdfunding campaign to get a little bit of that startup money is absolutely incredible and something that we encourage and it's not just the money, is it? It's all of the other things that go with a, with a crowdfunding campaign, building awareness, building those networks and communications and getting insight around the acceptability of the proposals that you're, you're putting out there. It, there's lots and lots of advantages, not just the, the finance, although that's obviously an important part of it. Absolutely. The unintended consequences of supporting some of the groups through a crowdfunding campaign have been brilliant. And if I'm honest, I would say that's stood us in really good stead throughout COVID. So we had quite a few campaigns where it was a community group that didn't really have much of a social media presence, weren't really tech savvy, and they would hold their hands up and say that themselves. And through supporting them through setting up a Facebook page, 
going online, doing a bit of digital engagement with their potential customers had set them up so that now they've already got that network of people and supporters that are sitting there willing to support them with future campaigns. Yeah. So yeah, the skills and the increase in digital skills in the area has been a really good um, unintended consequence. And just generally getting people more involved in local projects. And that, that for me was always a big thing. When we were getting in funding applications, every year you would see similar ones coming in. And what we didn't know then was, do the community actually want this? Whereas in, with crowdfunding, people can vote with their feet. Absolutely. They can say, well, yep, that's going to absolutely help my area. There's 20 quid towards it. Yeah. Um, and I'm also happy to be a volunteer. And that was one of the things that a lot of the projects came back to us and said, because their contact information was out there, yeah, people had chucked a bit of money in, but they'd also contacted them, say they wanted to be involved, be a volunteer, or support them with future ventures. So it definitely generated more community spirit. Brilliant. Shelley, I could talk about this all day, but I know you've got a job to do, as, as have I. So I really appreciate you taking the time to speak to us today. That, that's been fascinating and insightful, and we would wish you all of the very best with all of the projects that you continue to do over there in Angus. And uh, thanks again. Brilliant. Thanks so much. And always happy to talk to anybody that's keen to deliver something similar. My thanks then to Shelley for taking the time for speaking to us and sharing that insight. Fascinating stuff and we wish them very well in all of the work that they're doing and the people that they're working with. If you want to get hold of the book, you can do so through World Scientific Publishing and all good booksellers. And of course, if you want to find out more about Twin Tangibles, go to twintangibles.co.uk. This piece of music is Beach Bum by Kevin McLeod of Incomptech. I know it's been a while, but thanks for listening to this one. Look forward to bringing you another podcast soon. Until then, bye and thanks for listening.